Welcome to the I Heart My Life show with success coach Emily Williams. Tune in daily to learn how to design a life you love, create more success and wealth, move past fear and blocks, and bring more joy into your life and business. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams. Okay, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, James Williams, and today I have an amazing guest. I'm so pumped about this call today. You have no idea how long I had to wait to get this man <laughs> to come on, on this show. Right? I was diligent. I, I did what he's always told me to do. I just was relentless, and I made it happen. And so I'm very excited to welcome Brendan Bouchard to the show okay. today. Thank you so much, Brendan, for joining me. My pleasure. And this amazing um, audience that we've got here. So for those of you who aren't aware of Brendan, Brendan um, is such an amazing person on this planet. You know, coming from that 19-year-old that was fighting depression and surviving a car accident, which ultimately led to his purpose in life, which is serving others to live, love, and matter. And then after that, 20 years later, after researching psychology and leadership and all things high performance, today, Brendan is widely considered to be the world's leading high performance coach. He's also in the top 100 most followed public figures on Facebook, um, and his videos have been viewed more than 100 million times. Over 200 million students have uh, comp uh, competed his online courses and video series, and Oprah.com... Oh, no, two, two million, two, two million. million yeah, 200 two million, million would be awesome, but uh, 2 million <laughs> online students. Not long. <laughs> 2 million students have completed his online courses and video series. And Oprah.com named Brendan one of the most successful online trainers in history. And Success Magazine named Brendan one of the top 25 most influential leaders in personal growth and achievement. And don't forget, bing bing, Brendan's also a best-selling author. Okay, list goes on with his most recent stroke of genius um, and what is the result of a massive amount of research over years, high performance habits, how extraordinary people became that way. And all of this, <gasps> deep breath, and I've got to say, Brendan, you know, and that list, I could have taken that list even further, but ultimately, you know the thing that really stands out for me about you, having had the pleasure of hanging out with you and spending time with you, is your genuine passion and, and generosity and that wicked sense of humor that you have. It just brings this real authenticity and humility that really I know inspires and will inspire everyone that, that just takes a chance to listen and see you um, and have to, you know, haven't experienced that myself. It's such a, it's such a wonderful thing. And it's, it's certainly the thing that's inspired me on my journey. So thank you, my friend, for, for joining, for joining us all today. My pleasure. I'm stoked to be here and chat with your audience. Just see, see you again, my friend. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. Um, so I was gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna do something kind of interesting today. We're gonna talk about relationships, and okay. maybe hearing about that, everyone at home is thinking, oh, you know, we're gonna hear about Brendan's old dating game or something like that. But no, this is deeper than that, right? This is, <laughs> this is about three major areas of relationships. This is initially about relationship with self. Um, then relationship with others and the people in our lives, and then ultimately the relationship with our purpose. So, Brendan, tell me about um, and tell everyone on the telephone that's listening about the relationship with yourself, especially at that point in your life where everything shifted. Mm. Uh, you know, relationship with yourself, oh, a tough one, but uh, 
where it shifted for me and kind of what made that whole story when people hear about my students or our books or everything that we're doing, it was never from a, you know, a, a moment of just perfect, you know, synchronicity or, you know, I woke up in my bed one day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have these gifts. It wasn't, it wasn't some kind of thing like that. It was actually a, a pretty terrible and, and excruciating and terrifying situation. So you know it so well, but for some of those who don't know my story, um, when I was a 19 year old kid, I was suicidal. And that happened because the first breakup with my first love, you know, I was that kid who had that high school sweetheart and we were completely intertwined in every possible way in our relationship with each other. We adored each other. We were, you know, thinking we were going to get married. We were that high school couple went to college together. I mean, I wasn't even going to go to college and, but she was going to college. So I wanted to go with her and, um, we were just joined at the hip. And then by the end of that first semester, she had gone astray and, you know, kind of cheated on me and broke my heart. And I fell apart because my whole identity was tied up in that relationship. So I fell apart with it, became suicidal. And then a series of fortunate events, I ended up being in a car accident just months later after really going through the suicidal depression. And that car accident was the thing that turned me around because it helped me realize I didn't want to take my life, <laughs> you know? Here I was, you know, this kid depressed and sad and suicidal and literally planning out my suicide, not just thinking about it. And then I have this accident and it's in another country. I'd taken a summertime job as a college student and I went down there, I had a car accident and it completely changed everything because I realized I want to live. And I felt like I could still love. And I realized at the end of our lives, we're all going to ask, you know, did I matter? And through this series of, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on your interview talking about it because I know we want to get to some of the stuff, but I just learned at the end of our lives, essentially, we ask questions to evaluate whether we are happy with our life or not. Mm. You know, if you have a moment of cognition at the very end of your life, you evaluate your life, but you don't just say, you know, uh, my life was like this or my life was that, like that. You ask questions. And the questions I happened to ask after that car accident was, did I live, did I love, and did I matter? Mm. And I didn't like any of the answers to those questions. You know, did I live? Now I'd been thinking about taking my life. And I was so depressed and sad, you know, because you want to know, did, was I alive and vibrant and joyous and cheerful? I mean, was I positive? But like, and did you live your life? I hadn't lived my life. I was living her life. I was living my parents' life. I was living my professor's life. I was living everybody else's life but my own. And did I love? Not really. I didn't really even know what that meant. I was too young, maybe. Um, and when my heart got broken, I'd shut down emotionally and spiritually, too. And did I matter? You know, here I was after the car accident, standing on the hood of this car after I escaped the car, and I'm just blood all over the place and I'm looking down at my bloody body and I just remember having that question of did I matter and it brings up those questions of is there a purpose to this? Did I leave a meaningful legacy? Did I live a meaningful life? And I just hadn't. And part of it was age, you know, I was a 19 year old kid. But another part of it was just maturity. I hadn't thought about my life in those longer term vision and values that we all talk about in personal development. And those questions hit me so hard that they transformed me because I started asking them every night of my life. Did I live today? Did I love today? Did I matter today to do something 
in those lines. And the nights that I can say yes, those nights started changing my life. So when I, I just started feeling alive and vibrant, I, I was that depressed college kid. I went back to college. I was alive and vibrant. And people said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm alive. <laughs> you know. So everything shifted, which is a simple set of questions from a very unfortunate incident, you know, no, no one wants to have a car accident and no one needs to have that. What people need to have is a moment of reflection that means so much to them mm. that transformation is even possible. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting is that, you know, a lot of people go through um, that period, especially in their teenage years, where they're so extrinsically motivated. They're so motivated by what the world thinks of them or what the world thinks they should be doing. Um, yeah. And like you said, no one, we don't want people to have to go through something really tragic to get that shift. But it's so important to reconnect with the person that matters, that number one client, as I say, right? The most important client you'll ever have in your entire life. The, yeah. the only person that can actually change your life, which is you, right? Yeah. Why, do you think, what do you, why do you think people, especially in their teenage years, lose connection with that person? Um, you know, I wouldn't even say in their teenage years that they've lost connection with that person. They have yet to form that person. Mm. You know, most people in their teenage years, they're just kind of going with the flow. They're just trying to get along. They're trying to belong. They're trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to, you know, figure out who they are and how they want to act and interact with other people. So I don't think there's actually a whole lot of intention happening mm. for most kids in high school, right? Their intention for the day is get through it. Don't get bullied. Don't get made fun of. Don't fail. But there's not a lot of intention. Like, what does my life mean? What's the character I'm trying to develop? in my heart, in my soul? How do I want to demonstrate who I really am with integrity? And so that transformation that happens from that moment of going, you know, survival and belonging to asking the bigger questions, maybe the bigger spiritual questions, maybe the bigger character-driven questions, those might not happen for people until years later. And you know some clients, that doesn't happen for some people, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Right. And so sometimes a critical incident, which is what a psychologist would call that moment that I had, a, a car accident, that critical incident helps transform somebody in such a dramatic way because they really have to evaluate where are they mm. and what's life really about for them. And uh, I would say also with that, I really believe that that huge transformation in, in a critical incident comes from two things. First, greater intention for wanting to live your life and transform and change. But then second, reverence for life. If those two come together, it's like this alchemy of magic. And that's what happened for me. It was like, oh, I know I want to live my life, but also like, God, life is so precious. So now your heart burns on fire for each day. There's no wondering if you're going to be passionate each day. It's just like, wow, I have another day. What a blessing. Hmm. And I think people have moments of that when they lose a family or a friend or, you know, they have their own near-death experience or something happens for them that really crystallizes how important and precious life is. Um, but some people, they don't get that moment. So they got to do a lot of reflection. They got to go to that personal development seminar. They got to listen to the programs or the podcasts. And they got to be introspective about who they are and what they stand for now at this stage of their life. And then hopefully somewhere along the way, they get in a community like yours where also for them is illustrated a higher ambition mm. because I was lucky. I, you know, I, I grew up pretty poor 
But when I went to college, I saw other kids and other kids, you know, they had cars and they didn't have to work to pay for college. And I'm working three full-time jobs throughout college. I, you know, I, it was just a completely different world. And, and getting around other people and seeing diversity of other people's experiences sometimes broadens your perspective and your worldview. And it made me go, oh, I can have a better quality of life. I didn't know that. Let me, let me try to do that. And so sometimes it's you get that intention, you get that gratitude and reverence for life. But hopefully, too, along the way, someone gives you ambition for living the best quality of life that's even beyond your own conception in the moment. Because I tell people all the time, don't let your current circumstances limit your vision for the future. And a lot of people do that. They do that in their business. They do that at home. They do that in their relationship. They go, oh, we're fighting. I guess we're like this. Or, Mm -hmm. ah, my business, it only makes this much. I guess it's the way it's going to go. Or, oh, you know, I feel this way. I guess that's just how it goes. Someone needs to illustrate a bigger example for you. And when they do that, it sparks a little bit of the magical ambition, the good kind, and with then an intention for living a good life and reverence for that life. Those three things come together. And that's really the basis of what I've really sort of diagnosed my story to be. Those three things came together in a short amount of time, a very short amount of time. I mean, from that car accident to really understanding I was on a path to completely changing my life because of personal development, that, you know, three, four month, that that summer basically hmm. as a 19 year old kid put me on the path to where I would be today. That's a, that's one hell of a summer, right? It was a heck of a summer. <laughs> Am I showing up on your screen? Okay. My thing flashed out. I just want to make sure you see No, yeah, okay. you're, you're there. You're, you're showing up great. Um, okay. that's a, it's amazing. Right. And, and, but here's something really interesting is that a lot of people, they read the books, they go to the seminars, right? They have the knowledge, they read, they have the information for you. You, you know, you had this big realization, you had this big kind of aha, this connection to living and loving and finishing your life mattering and making sure that you did something worthwhile and being proud of that. You recognize that, but how did you foster that every day? Because this wasn't how you were living your life for years. And it's all very yeah. well knowing something and even feeling it, but how did you foster that? And how did you foster that new relationship with yourself and that vision you had for your future? Uh, we call them in high performance studies, intention cues is that you have to learn to reprogram your mind by setting up your environment and all the cues around you to pay attention, to change your focus towards that new life that you want. Mm. And that's a huge, huge thing that we've learned in high performance studies that out of all the habits that high performers have, probably the most powerful one they have is this thing called seeking clarity. And they're consistently seeking clarity about who they are how they want to treat other people, how they want to contribute, and what they want to develop mastery in, but ultimately how they want to provide service. But they also set up reminders all around them. If you go into a high-performing organization, there's you know mission statements or values or quotes or things written on walls and posters everywhere that just reminds people what to do. But in our own lives, especially in entrepreneurs, when we're at home, we forget to do that. And so part of those intention cues, they have to be everywhere. That means, you know, on your mirror at home, what are your three words that define who you should be? Are they on your mirror? When you get in your car, is there some kind of reminder about what to think about or who you are? Every time I take a shower, my intention cues fire off, which is the three questions I ask every morning of my life, which is what can I be excited about today? Which is what might stress me out or trip me up today? And how can my highest self meet that situation? And 
who could I surprise today mm-hmm. with a, a, a gift, a moment of appreciation, a prank, you know, messing around, joking around, doing something. I have three questions, you know, those to go off. On my phone, I, I use my phone. A lot of people use this. This is distraction for them. This is a tool for my focus. So four times throughout the day, a little note pops up to myself. And that little note reminds my, my me how I want to be and how I want to treat other people. And so I'm constantly surrounded by these intention cues. Every night when I go to bed for 23 years, I ask those same questions. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? Hmm. Every night. And so it's the consistency on what to focus on that essentially writes the ship over time. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be immediate, but if you have no intention cues, I tell people all the time, then you have no hope to creating a habit. Right. The cue has to happen, the trigger has to happen. And if it happens over and over and over, things change. For example, I, I made sure I read a personal development book every single day for an hour for 20 years. That is a cue for me. It's, 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 I'm going to find something in there that's going to make me think about myself because that's what personal development's about. Hmm. So every day, one hour, a personal development book for 20 years, how could I not evaluate where I'm at or set bigger goals or ask if I treat my family well or think about the spiritual existence that I'm trying to have and create? That wouldn't happen if I didn't have that cue. Because for me, I'm just, I'm a dumb kid from Montana, man. I would be like, I would not be where I'm at today if I didn't set up all these things that keep me on track to grow. And that's why I appreciate everyone watching this right now. I just celebrate you because if you didn't do these types of things, I mean, the carnage and wreckage that can come into our life when we're just like all over the place, driven by reaction or distraction. Hmm. And so your cues, your routines, your habits, your triggers, whatever you want to call it. If those are not set up and you're not consistently evaluating those to regain your focus and your efforts, then you will end up living a reactive life. Hmm. I don't think anybody wants that to be their sort of sentence, but a lot of people are living that truth because they haven't done a better job of setting up their environment and their habits to keep them on track. And so I've just been really disciplined about that and I'd like to study that kind of thing. So I always try to be my best because my whole thing is in some ways people don't like when I say this, James, but it's, it's, it is a little bit selfish. Like I want to feel my best. Mm-hmm. I want to feel great because I've felt depression. I felt sadness. I felt frustration. I felt anger. I felt, you know, shame. I felt the, the type of things that didn't make me proud of who I wanted to be. I didn't like that. So I said, well, how do I set up my life so that I get to experience and evaluate at the end of the day, the good Brendan. The, how, how do I set up so I like, I go like, that was a great day. Man, I really showed up that day. I, I felt good, I took care of myself today. I ate well, I moved well, because I just don't like feeling shitty. And that's a big driver for me, is I just don't wanna feel bad. I had that. That was my teens and that was part of my 20s as I was start sorting things out. As you know, and I'm sure some of the people watching know, you know, I've, I've had two significant major brain traumas in my life, and the last brain injury I had was in 2011, and that took two and a half years to overcome, and that sucked. Hmm. That was, you know, when, when you don't have your mind in check, your emotions run around. When you don't have your emotions in check, existential problems come into place. You know, your relationships fall apart with yourself, but with other people too. 
And so I had to learn all these things to do to both recover from the brain injury, but then also to ensure that I felt my best. Because as you're trying to recover, if you don't feel your best, you could do all the tricks and take all the supplements and do all the things, but it's about having that intention again. Hmm. How I absolutely live my best life now because I don't wanna feel bad. But a lot of people, they don't even understand how crappy they feel all week. Hmm. They don't track it. They get used to it, right? They just get, people get very comfortable with, with being comfortable, but still aren't happy, but still complain about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's, I tell a lot of people, and it's it, it's really difficult to be a, a personal development guy as positive as I am, you know, to tell people, you probably don't know how bad you feel hmm. right. if you're not tracking it. Yeah. So they're like, because people say all the time, I'm fine. I'm like, fine? Fine is a four-letter word, <laughs> all right? In personal development, fine is the ultimate. Like, when if you go out to lunch with someone and they're like, how are you? You're like, I'm fine. That's that's terrible. Yeah. That, that's not good. What happened is you got used to being fine. And things are not okay, but you allow it so often that, that you end up not being aware that you're living an okay life unless you have some kind of evaluative system set up in your life. So for me, as an example, on Sundays, the way that I keep my relationship with myself, with the best of who I am, which I know is the theme of what we're, we're kind of talking about, my relationship with myself is kept by my nightly questions, but most importantly, my Sunday review. Hmm. So every Sunday, I've got, now it used to be like 10 questions, now it's evolved into about a 40 point assessment of myself. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like very engineering style, but it's not, it's just very, it's like, these are the big areas of my life I wanna focus on, how am I doing? And I score myself on categories and areas that are important to myself every Sunday. And what it does is it allows me to look forward to the week and ask what needs to change. It allows me to evaluate myself over a period of time to say, oh, here's where I was on this, here's where I'm on that. It allows me to set weekly and monthly goals to work on myself, and it has made me a happier man. Mm -hmm. And I, will sh I share often when people start evaluating themselves, it's not gonna make them happy. You know, it, it'll, it, I can't remember which president said it, uh, but I think it was Truman. You know, the, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Awareness, right? It can be painful. That's first. it. Yeah. That's it. But if you can have a look at yourself and really ask that question, and I'm sorry, those sets of questions every single week, ultimately it helps guide your mind and it helps guide you to stick to your values and your priorities better. Hmm. And I would say that Sunday routine has really, really been a big part of my life and keeping a relationship with the best part of me versus the default me. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's such an important point. So Brennan, we're gonna take a quick break here, but uh, we'll be back and we're gonna be diving into that relationship from your best self and how that then is fostered and supported by those around you. So we'll be back in just a moment. Do you want to learn how to make and attract more money in your business? If so, my iHeartMoney Live program is for you. It's a 10-week program where you can jump in, learn all about money mindset, how to transform the way you think about money, your relationship with money, and in turn, make more money in your business. So if you're interested, go to iHeartMoneyLive.com. 
Nova goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are back with the amazing Brendan Bouchard, and we've been talking about relationships, and Brendan shared a lot of stuff about forming that deep powerful relationship with himself and setting up triggers and following through on intentions to live his best life from his best self. So now we're going to dive, Brendan, into a little bit about the relationships with those outside of you and how you have used those to encourage you, to support you, and to help trigger you in a lot of ways and lead you in the direction that you have really felt like you wanted to go. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if I've used them as much as they've just kind of inspired me. Um, You know, I I was blessed to, you know, people always say, Brendan, you're really lucky. And I said, you're right, because I had had two great parents. Hmm. You know, I I lucked out with an amazing mom, an amazing dad. And I think that was a foundation for me, for sure. Even though we were, you know, below the poverty line where we lived uh, much of our life, um, they worked super hard. They're incredibly caring, family was important. Um, as much as my dad was a disciplinarian because he was you know, a Marine, so he'd done 20 years in the US military as, as a Marine Corps member, he was very, very hard on us when we were young. As we got older, he kind of became like Buddha-like and calm. Um, my mom was just always, you've met her. She, I mean, when I, I have this phrase, bring the joy, don't wait for joy to happen, bring it. And she's the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. So I had that, that, that was great. Like the inspirations around you. I also had other people all around me who were terrible and awful and mean. And, and we had, you know, we grew up in a old Irish mining town that was economically depressed. And so there was a ton of alcoholism, a ton of violence where we grew up. Um, but for some reason, my young brain knew that that wasn't where to focus. And I was lucky. I mean, cause I think that happens for a lot of us, even writers, right? You have, a, you know, a hundred amazing five-star Amazon reviews, but you notice that one thing that sucks. And I think that happens for everybody for very early on. I realized that brought a lot of pain and sadness. Mm-hmm. So instead I turned my attention towards people who were positive and I'm very blessed by that. Cause it's a habit I continue to this day. So I look around for people who are positive. Uh, I'm blessed to be married to a woman today who believed in me, who uh, went, had no rightly earthly evidence <laughs> that I would ever make it other than I was just, I was passionate about the topics that I was exploring and, and trying to research. And she became so instrumental in my life and you know helped me develop this phrase that really drives so much of my own performance, which is that story I think you know of, of when I was starting out as a writer, Mm. I broke and I had to move into her apartment and she was buying my groceries, cheering me on. But I mean, if you're a guy in your late twenties and someone has to buy your groceries because you're so broke, that does something to your psyche, you know? And it, that's, that just, terrible feeling that I wasn't enough, that terrible feeling that there was shame there, that I wasn't going to make it, 
was taking over my days of productivity. So instead of being a productive person and writing well, I was kind of screwing around and just not getting things done. And there was one night when I moved, had moved into her apartment and we were, you know, really struggling. I was really struggling. She, she was always much more amazing than I was. And as we were, I remember going through that time, she came into my, uh, came into the bedroom that night. I was writing on this little borrowed table for my mom and on my bed was my vision boards and my research and all these papers, but also all my invoices and bills as I was going into bankruptcy. And I, she walked by trying not to disturb me as I was writing and she uh, crawled under the, the covers of the bed to go to sleep. And I was typing along, not really motivated that night, just like I hadn't been for a while. And I looked over and I saw, you know, my lady sleeping under my bills. It was just like, you know, nobody wants that. No. You know, but as you said earlier about awareness being difficult, um, nobody wants to see their family suffer because of their own inaction. Right. And their own inadequacy. And so I had to deal with that. And seeing her, it just, it snapped something inside in a very good way, ultimately. And it made me want to do better. And I never was more productive than I was in those next 18 months. Because having seen where it brought us, it was, you know, it wasn't okay. It was another critical incident in my life. It was just like, this is not what I wanted for my life, my girl, my love, our relationship. And so I just, I mean, the next 18 months, I mean, wrote a book, published a book, um, went from bankrupt to multimillionaire in 18 months. I mean, I just, it was 24 seven total focus, nothing else in my life until I turned it around. I mean, I learned every new skill I had to learn to master my medium. I, I learned online marketing. I learned video. I learned copywriting. I learned email marketing. I learned blogging. I learned how to do sales letters. I learned how to do sales videos. I learned how to build online courses. I mean, I did every, I'm literally self-taught in 18 months, just hardcore work because I didn't want that outcome anymore. Hmm. And that that's something I always tell people to use that as an intention cue if you have someone in your life. I mean, every day I walk into my office, there's another intention cue that says, who needs you? on your A game today. Somebody needs you on your A game today. Hmm. And when you really connect with that, right, you and I can just be doing this thing, we're having this interview, or right before I started this interview, I said, okay, who needs me on my A game today? And it wasn't just yourself or, or myself or my brand, it was, you know what, somebody's probably watching this who like had those same struggles somewhere I had, maybe they're sad. Or maybe they don't have any intention cues, or maybe they've got off their personal development game, or maybe someone in their life is financially struggling. I need to show up energetically today, hopefully in a good place, despite the last crazy three months that I've had on the road, traveling, serving, delivering. It's like, okay, it's not about me. Who needs me today? So that fires me up and that gets me motivated. I think the best relationship you can ever have in your entire life with other people is one rooted in service. Mm-hmm. When you say somebody needs me to show up, I can provide value, I can contribute, you know, because the two defining things in our life, like defining drivers for most people, are connection and contribution. Hands down, right? Those are underlined by the sense of we all want vibrancy, right? We all want we want to feel vibrant. We want to feel vibrant as who we are, 
We want to feel congruent with who we are. So in the self, it's like, I want to be congruent with my best self and I want to feel a sense of aliveness. We all want that, right? Whether they call it positivity, motivation, drive, hunger, whatever, or just zest or joy, all that stuff is the, 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 the core of who we want to be, the best of who we are. So that's just congruence. But on top of that vibrancy, that congruence that we want, on top of that, we want connection and contribution. And what I've done my whole life is realized, well, if I could join those two together, then I just developed a superpower. Mm-hmm. Because the biggest hits you get intellectually, and they can measure this, and the, tons of neuroscience talks about this, is that the incredible dopamine we get with the novelty of relationships and connecting with other people, we know that from all of the longevity studies, the human longevity studies, the people who live the longest, it's not about their diet, not their supplement plan, it's not about exactly what they do and do not do as a career or every day of their life. What is definitive in every longevity study, the thing that keeps people alive and happiest the longest are relationships slash connection. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, we know that when people evaluate their life, what makes them feel like the long, well-lived life is this thing called meaning, which comes from contribution. So what I figured out in my life, I was like, oh, let's wire those together. Every person I meet, how can I connect but contribute to them? And I like what you say, you know, in the back of the, uh, I don't know if people can see it as they're watching this video, I can see your back thing says, but it says, be the most generous person in the room. Mm. That comes from a spirit of contribution, giving or service. And so for those who are lacking, like if you hit Wednesday of your week and you're bored and you're not driven, what happened is you, you went inside. You're focused on how do you feel? What's going on in your life? Are you, do you feel passionate about this current topic? You're, you're only in the mirror. You need to break through that mirror and look outside and see the world's in need. Hmm. And probably some of your family or some of your friends really do need you to show up, serve, lead, develop, whether that's your team, your company, your family, your friends. Somebody probably needs you with a little bit more edge, with a little bit more motivation, with a little more hunger and drive. And so connect to that because serving other people will bring you back to life. You know, I got a coach and I, and I, I bought this book called The Charge. And I started listening to this book on my way to work. I thought, we well, you know, I got 40 minutes on the way to work, 40 minutes on the way back. I can use that time. So I started listening to this book by this guy called Brendan Bouchard. I don't know who he was. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Listening yeah. to this book, shift. It was like you were speaking directly to me because I, would, I loved personal development, but I didn't know what my niche would be, my niche um, would be. I didn't know where my service, where I could be of service. That really spoke to me, that book. And... It, and your message, how you showed up, spoke to me. And so in my life, you are one of the angel messengers that helped shift my focus. So what I'd love to know is who are some of the, and I know you probably have a lot, you've, you've had the pleasure of working with some amazing people, but give me some idea of some of the early um, angels that really did something for you and shifted your focus. Yeah, uh, well, I mentioned my mom and my dad. Um, and uh, I mentioned my mom's ability to bring joy. Mm-hmm. My dad's also basic values. He was always saying the same seven things to us most of our life, you know, which was basically, and listen how good these are, by the way. Yeah. Be yourself. Be honest. Do your best. Take care of your family. Treat people with respect. Be a good citizen. And follow your dreams. Hmm. I mean, if <laughs> it's just like, I, what I'm else really is pr- there, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. blessed, you know, as, as a day across 
our Facebook pages, I got about 10 million fans across our Facebook pages, yeah? And what I'm really proud of is the most shared thing I've ever put on the internet was those seven quotes my, my yeah. dad. Yeah. I mean, that's been viewed like 30 million times, and, uh, <laughs> which I know you, it means a lot to me because we lost my dad mm. to leukemia in, in 2009. So carrying on his values in that way and my mom's joy and love, I mean, I was lucky that way. Um, but like I said, I didn't have a lot uh, in our community around that because we were just in a, in a difficult place economically. But my uh, high school journalism teacher, hmm. Linda yeah. Ballou, I write her about I write about her in my new book High Performance Habits, and how she was always challenging us, and she knew how to challenge my character. She knew how to challenge how I related with other people. She knew how to challenge what I created, and it was always supportive and positive and right there with us. But she just pushed us, and she, I mean, here we were, this little like ragtag team of kids at this small high school that she. Uh, you know, worked at, and then she said, you know, if you guys wanted to, you could create a, a student newspaper here that could be, you know, maybe the best in the country. And of course we're all like, what? But she was someone, like I said earlier, sometimes someone raising your ambition can change your life. Mm -hmm. She raised my ambition and helped show a path to get there. Uh, that, that was a, a huge piece. Um, then books, were a huge one. So similar, like you read The Charge. I, I had, you know, books. I, I read The Alchemist. I read The 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 Tao of Pooh, uh, which tells the story of Tao yeah. through Winnie the Pooh, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, I read, uh, I'm throwing you like the early, early ones, uh, Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, mm -hmm. Og Mandino, Jim Rohn, Wayne Dyer. I see you have a Wayne Dyer book in the background there. Yeah was a huge mentor and, and friend. And um, so I had uh, the the whole canon of personal development. Then I got into psychology and I was reading Carl Rogers and Alfred Adler and, um, you know, Abraham Maslow and all these kind of big iconic names, Marty Seligman and all these other folks who now define positive psychology. I read all their work. So for me, a big, those, those influences came through books. Hmm. It really just, it came through books. I had uh, one of my first marketing jobs I ever had, I had like a, a telemarketing job in like a fly-by-night telemarketing place in college, uh, I think it was early in college, and I, there was a, a manager there named Will, and he was, he did his work with so much joy, and he was always pranking people and having fun, and it was the first time I ever thought of work, I'm like, oh, I actually wanted to go to work. Because he was there right. and he was funny and he made work fun. And I had never seen somebody like bring joy at work like that. Yeah. Um, so that was that, that really changed my like connection with work. Hmm. I would say that was really big. And then when I got into the to our industry in, in personal development, um, you know, Marianne Williamson, John Gray, um, again, Wayne Dyer, Jack Canfield were incredibly nice to me. Then Tony Robbins eventually become really nice to me. Robin Sharma. Um, and that now, you know, most of the people now that we get to work with Oprah Winfrey has been really kind. So meeting these, you know, people from my parents to, to people who I connected with, with books to later on life, you know, getting on stages with them and doing work with them. They've all inspired me, um, the to, to a whole other level too. So there's no shortage of inspiration. I mean, the message is to everyone listening that if you're searching for some inspiration outside of you, there is no shortage. There really isn't. Yeah. And it's just about, it's about listening and keeping your ear out there and, and finding what's that message? What's that, 
what's that message that just talks to you? Um, a lot of people, a lot of my clients, early clients talk about, you know, is the coaching industry, uh, is, it, is there too many, are there too many coaches? And, you know, I say there's not enough because there's, there's so many right. ears. There's so many right. ears and everyone hears things in a different way. And, you know, yeah. there's such a variety of, of inspiration, such a variety of leaders. I mean, the guy at, your, at that, that job that just loved his job, he's a leader. Yeah. He's, he's displaying yeah. how you can just love whatever it is you do, whatever it is, you know, without judgment. And that affected how much you enjoyed that work, right? It's another yeah. leader. And so it's so amazing. So listen, yeah. we're going to take one more break. And after okay. the break, Brendan, we're going to talk about how those relationships with yourself, the relationships with all those people around you, ultimately carved that relationship for your purpose, which you've always been very attached to and what that means and how you've got there and where you're at and where you're going and all the really fun stuff. So we'll be back in just a few moments. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Welcome back, everybody. So you are back with me, James Williams, and Brendan Bouchard, the amazing one that is here at blessing us with his presence uh, on this amazing show today. So we've been talking about relationships and we started off talking about relationship with self and following through on those intentions with triggers and real intention and then going through with uh, relationships with others and how, you know, it's not all about us and how we can really gain a lot of strength and power from those that we serve um, and the, the world around us. And so what I want to talk about now, Brendan, is how all of that is brought together with your relationship with your purpose. And from the very, very beginning all the way to now, how have you developed that relationship with your ultimate vision, looking forward into the future about all the amazing things you're still getting to do? Oh, man, good question. I don't know I have a great answer for that other than just every day really staying intentional in providing the value that I believe will leave my legacy. Mm. And... I think that's what's important is people identifying that. Well, what is the type of value that's going to leave your legacy? Because when you connect those two things, both value and creating the value and making a value that's actual, you know, meaningful to you in the end, then it's not so hard to motivate yourself each day. I think most people's connection with their purpose is kind of half-assed because they haven't combined those two things. They kind of think purpose way out there, but they've never identified, well, what is the thing they the output? What is the the value that they need to create? Mm-hmm. And they get excited about that. And in high performance habits, we talk about PQO from PFI, which is super fancy talk for saying PQO is what's what's the prolific quality output that you would need to have to define your career uh, versus other people. So uh, 
and would add unique value in your PFI, which is your primary field of interest. So first with people, you say, well, what's your primary field of interest? Because we could all be you know, chasing 100 different things, but I realized my primary field of interest was in writing and training and specifically related to personal development. So I said, okay, writing, training, good. Well, what's the value that I create? Well, the value that I create is teaching. I don't, you know, that's for me, the value that I get connected to. As, as you know, I'm not entertaining, you know, I'm not. Well, you I, are I'm actually. Not, I, I can't tell a joke for the life of me. Um, I'm not really good at, 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 you know, adventures or vlogging or all these other things I could do, right? There's a million ways I could provide value for personal development. Hmm. I could curate everybody else's different voices and, and spread that out to the world. You know, I could do podcasts, interviewing everybody else. I could do all these things, but I realize the value that I connect to that I believe leaves my legacy is teaching. Hmm. It's creating content that has, you know, one, two, three, four points, one, two, three, four takeaways. And so I don't do podcasts where I interview a bunch of other people because I don't connect with that. Hmm. I don't do, uh, you know, a, uh, a bunch of curated things and blogs online because I don't connect with that. So for my legacy, I felt like my legacy is going to be my voice and my teaching. Hmm. And so I spend all my time creating those things that I believe is unique to that. But that's just me. And everybody's got to find their own thing. So I would say first, don't think you just have to have one unifying complete purpose because it's going to change when you're 20 or 30 or when you have kids or when you decide to retire or when you sell that one business that you thought was the business for your life, but you realize it's not going to be that now. But there tends to be themes in how you like to serve and where you get the meaning from when you serve. Hmm. I yeah. found that when I served in a specific way, there were specific ways that I did it that I really connected with. So I said, let me make that 60% of my week. Hmm. And I just made that decision. I learned that from our high performance studies. That's what high performers were doing was that whatever their primary field of interest or their PQO was, they sent 60% of their week doing that. Like James Patterson, who is one of the best selling authors in history, uh, you know, just an unbelievable, I mean, I think 300, million copies of his books are out there in some format or another. He's, he's still to this day, most of his week is writing. He could do, you know, he could do interviews all day. He could, you know, bring authors to, he, he could do a million different things, but for him, PQO is writing the book. That's what he does. So he's got, you know, I don't know how many books, over a hundred books by now. So I think what's important is to say, well, for me, what's the thing that I connect to the most when I provide value and service to the world? And how can I make more of my week about that and less about reaction or distraction? And that's how your purpose comes into your real life. It's like I said, if, if your purpose isn't there every day or every week, then you're just, you're never going to either reach it, fulfill it, experience it, or bring it into fruition the way that you could. Right. I think it was Wayne Dyer actually that said that light, um, purpose isn't a final destination. It's, it's your lifestyle, right? It's something yeah. you live and breathe every day. And I think sometimes people get confused with, oh, what's your purpose? And they're like, oh, I want to create this big thing in 10 years time. Right. And, you know, your purpose, and only when, you know, going through high performance training, you know, we talk about what, you know, how we're living every day and, and what we're bringing and what, what's that's all for and, and what that means from us. So ultimately from the relationship with ourselves, what are we bringing out of ourselves and how are we right. serving other people? And how is that in alignment with, the primary focus of our life in every single day, every single, every single day of our lives, right? 
Um, That's right. It doesn't have to be this big grandiose thing. Right. I mean, writing three paragraphs today before we had a conversation, there there was purpose in that. Mm. That's going to ultimately be an output that will help somebody. Mm. And so I think that people do tend to look at it too esoteric. And I just go, well, what what's the outputs from that? Mm. Do more of those and feel them while you're doing them. And then you'll start to have that sense of, you know, experience of purpose each day. Yeah. That, and what you just said, feel them while you're doing them is so important. I think that people quite often over intellectualize when they're reading books. It's all about, I know the strategy. I know the routine to do before bed. I know what I'm supposed to do. But if you don't feel it, I think even if you, you've probably studied more habit formation than I have, but, yeah. you know, repetition and emotional connection, you need that emotional connection. You need to feel the reason why that, you know, you're right. doing something so that it has yeah. a purpose, right? Yeah. And, and even if, here's the thing, you don't have to feel the why to know the purpose because some, what's happening for a lot of people, they're like, I don't feel purpose. I don't feel, because in every second they're trying to root purpose. Like, dude, just drink the water. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, they're trying to suss purpose out of everything. Mm. And instead I just go, you know what? Start feeling more and purpose will emerge. Yeah. Are you thirsty? Yeah. Yeah. Just feel and sense the day, you know, that, that mindful awareness is a gate opener to feeling more purpose. Cause I think what happened was we got really connected in this idea of, you know, some popular speakers and book topics, you know, about this whole, you know, always connect to why, always connect to why, always connect to why. And a lot of people do that. And they're like, I don't like the answer to that. Like, why am I doing this? I don't know. I don't like it. But instead it's like, you know what? First connect to feeling and emotion again. Hmm. Because what most people are doing is they're swiping through all the moments of life. One of my favorite quotes from you, one of my favorite sayings from you, printed on a t-shirt, um, and it's not the bring the joy, which is awesome, uh, very, very important, and you just said it, right? Only can, you can only experience joy in the present as well, is the idea of honoring the struggle. Because some people, as I mean, you've experienced this and you still experience this now. Sometimes stuff doesn't go right. Sometimes life yeah. decides, the universe decides to say, hmm, I wonder how much he wants it. Bang. Right, right, right. right. Describe, let's, let's talk about this, this idea of honoring the struggle and, and why that's such an important thing with that relationship with your purpose. Yeah. Uh, well, I just want to mention one thing I heard you say because I think it's, uh, we have a lot of that belief is that, oh my gosh, I have all these set up and something isn't going right. And, and it's, you know, I guess it's not meant to be or it's the universe testing me. I'm like, brother, sister, the universe is not testing you if you believe that you're so important that the universe is testing you today, I mean, the universe got a lot of other work to do than you today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but that's what our ego is. It's all oh, it must be tech. It must be about me. And I'm like, brother, the universe got other shit to do than you today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and so I think part of it's not taking ourselves so seriously that when struggle does come up, we recognize struggle is an inevitable thing of the universe. Mm -hmm. That struggle is an inevitable thing that we all have to face because our expectations are different than how today really is, mm. that struggle is this inevitable thing. And if it's inevitable, then we have to change our relationship with it, not try and change it. I tell people all the time, the reason they're not succeeding more is that they often hate the struggle required to succeed more. Mm -hmm. And anything that you hate, your mind automatically goes, don't do it, don't engage. Right. Well, if the struggle is necessary to grow, to contribute, 
to add exceptional value, to change things, if that struggle is required, then we have to engage that struggle with reverence, real reverence and say, oh, this struggle, of course, this is part of this journey to make sure that what comes out on the other side is honed, is good, is thoughtful, is adding value. Instead of me getting mad that I gotta do all these things, let me go, oh, by doing all these things, it's gonna make this thing better. And so having reverence for the process of creativity, reverence for the process of leading, reverence for the difficulties that come along with trying to change something that's been there the same for a long time, engage that and honor that. Because the more angst and anxiety and hatred you throw at it, the more psychologically and spiritually your your mind, your body, your spirit goes, don't engage, we hate this. Mm. And so you have to, I would say, be very careful with what you say you hate. Yeah. Because whatever that is, hate does one thing, and that is destroy. That's all hate does. It just, it just like, it's like Agent Orange, right, in Vietnam. It's like they just sprayed Agent Orange and it killed everything. That's all it does. Right, it, whatever it lands on, it's, it kills everything. And that's what hate does, it kills everything. So if you apply a little dab of hate on a Monday when you don't wanna do your emails, and you dab a little hate on, oh, this website broke, and you dab a little hate on this customer who pissed you off today, and you dab a little hate on this thing that broke, and all throughout week, you're sprinkling hate of, and whether you don't use the word hate, you might just call it, complaining, negativity, you know, uh, uh, just outbursts of anger or anxiety. When all that is spread out throughout your week, now your brain and body goes, I don't even want to engage in this thing anymore, even though that thing could be the thing that gives you purpose. That thing could be the thing that is transformative. You got to get out of your own way and realize, oh, I got to engage this with reverence, this difficulty. Mm-hmm. Like I had to do that with my brain injury. It was, it, it made me sad. It made me frustrated, it made me anger for about a week or two. And then I had to say, wow, if I'm gonna fight this, if I, I'm always gonna fight this process, I'm gonna hate it and I'm, and I'm mad and I'm upset about this, I'm never gonna heal. Hmm. I'm never gonna heal because what heals? Love. So you gotta learn to love and honor and give reverence to the very difficulties you're facing in life because they are forging the better you. They are raising the better you and they're healing the parts of you that need to be healed by engaging with the difficulty versus fighting it. Hmm. Hate kills, love heals. And once you get that, you just don't make that mistake too much anymore. Amen. Beautiful. So Brendan, final question for you. You know, we've talked a lot about the journey and how you've got here and all the lessons you've learned along the way. If you could share one message with the listeners about ultimately how you've, how you've created this life that was better than your dreams, how could you summarize that? Wow, uh, for me, live, love, matter. Right. Every day an intention to live vibrantly and joyously and cheerfully, even when that doesn't show up all the time, I gotta create it. Um, loving, which meant for me, a, a huge priority in every aspect of my life is the relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Honoring those relationships, bringing reverence to those relationships, connecting and being grateful to the relationships is a huge primary driver of mine. And then mattering, trying to ask every single day or every single uh, activity or, or, or whatever I'm trying to do is saying, will this help somebody? Or can I find someone to help? 
what service can I provide? It's those intention cues that made it better. Um, and then I would say underneath all of that, just all the habits have to line up for that, right? Did I live? Well, if I'm going to live vibrantly and joyously, I better take care of my health. So from what I eat to how I work out to how I go on a walk every single day, all of that brings more vibrancy and energy so I can feel like I'm alive. Because mm -hmm. when you feel unhealthy, you feel dead. So I said, I don't want to feel unhealthy, so I do everything I can to take care of my physical health. When you think about, you know, did I love, I have to take about it, think about it both in my relationships, so my intention with my relationships is to be loving, but I also have to think about it at a spiritual level and, and go, where am I, where is, my feeling right now, is it attached to hate or love? And you think about the underlying thing of mattering, making a difference, um, having a life that's meaningful or significant in my own definition of that, what I have to do is I have to make sure I look beyond myself. Yeah. And I have to create some things or contribute some things. And by asking that every day, it makes me create some things and contribute things every day. So I don't have a lot of wasted days that don't go towards creating or contributing something. And so every week feels meaningful because I didn't have a bunch of wasted days. Mm -hmm. So all the underlying things that come from my major questions and the uh, underlying things that come from those intention cues structured my life in such a way that I feel good during the days and I treat other people well during the days. And at the end of the day, I contributed or created something that day and so those just add up. Days add up so significantly to how you really feel in life. So win the day. Win the day. Amazing. Win the day. Well, Brendan, thank you so much, my brother. Um, for those that haven't experienced you and seen you yet, where can they best find you? And what are you excited to tell them about right now? Oh, my gosh. I'm, well, they can find me on the internet. Um, just search Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-O-N. I'll come up. Um, yeah, me and hard. some other <laughs> You know, uh, you know, I, I guess best right now is high performance habits. I mean, if you want to know this kind of question of like what really led to these types of things, I would say it's all documented in that book, High Performance Habits. Yeah, man. There it is. Uh, Woo. This guy right, right here. That's it right there. <laughs> well, this guy right here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, well, Brendan. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. It's a real pleasure. Uh, you know, you're a busy man, so it's a real honor that you've decided to share um, yourself uh, with us today. Um, it really thank is. You. So thank you so much. I'm excited to see you in October. I'm going to be yes, over in New man. York. So uh, have a wonderful day. And to everyone out there, um, thank you so much for listening. And Thanks, we're going to be back with another show very, very soon. So take care. And remember to live, love, and matter. Take care. Bye.